Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read two verses. Very familiar. This will be our main text for the day. We'll keep coming back to it. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This is in light of, and we're going to keep it in light of, the days in which we're living. That would be, an, uh, that would be a perfect admonition from the Lord at any age, in any day. It was when it was written in the Apostles' Day or, or shortly after. But it's even more relevant to us. If something could be more relevant, it would be more pertinent to us. Because it, it ends that passage, and we'll get back to this later, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Y'all, we're living in a special time. We're living in a time spiritually which the Word of God calls the last days I know that I've talked about this and we've taught on these things before. The last days, the last times, the end times. All of this is referring to the end of the age, basically. There's an end of an age. There was that dispensation uh, between creation and the flood. There was a dispensation between, you know, there and, and say the giving of the law of Moses. And there's a, there's a dispensation between the law of Moses given and the coming of Christ in the second covenant. And then the, the gift of the Holy Spirit given at Pentecost and so forth till now. We're living in that big time frame between the resurrection of Christ and the outpouring of His Spirit 40 days later and the rapture of the church and all the end times things. The rapture of the church will begin the beginning of the end, so to speak when God has a very specific timetable when things are going to start falling like dominoes. Okay? When is the rapture? Well, we're to look for it any day. But when the rapture takes place, then the dominoes will start falling. You understand what I'm saying? You've seen those chains of dominoes set up? Well, it, you know, whenever the, the person clicks the first one and knocks it over, it all's going to go in a certain time frame. They probably could time it to the second how long it's going to take to finish. And that is, it's going to be that way when the Lord raptures His church. And this admonition is given for those that are living in this time preceding that. That's us, spiritually. The world doesn't have a clue. The world might think this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Uh, they may think we're going to go on like this forever. They may think a bomb's going to go off and the world's going to end. The world has all its different views and religions have their different views. But we have the truth from God's Word. It's going to be exactly like he says. No, no presidential election will change this. Okay? And so, this admonition is given to us and it is characterized these end times that we're living in. And if you picture that time, you know, I always think about uh, timelines in school when we study history or something like the cotton gin was invented this year, you know, and the steamboat, steam engine was in. And, and you look at these timelines and... If we're looking at a timeline, we, this period between the resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of His Spirit on Pentecost and His ascension, that time when the church was really birthed, I guess you'd say, in the, in the Holy Spirit till, till the rapture of the church, 
where are we in that time frame? If this is the resurrection of Jesus and this is the rapture of the church, which starts the, all of the end times events that follow that, where are we in this block? I don't know. because I don't know exactly. But I know the disciples were here and that was 2,000 years ago. So we have to be much closer. I think we're over here somewhere. Are we, are we days away? Seconds away? Years away? I don't know. The Lord knows that. But we are definitely here. And they were looking. Don't ever forget this. The disciples and the early church was looking for the rapture of the church in their day. I always say that. They, they, did not, they were not raptured in their day. But they weren't wrong to look for the rapture in, the, in their day. Because we're told to look at looking for that blessed hope. And often we're to look for that, right? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're to look for that. We might die still looking for it. And if we do, we're going to be with the Lord in heaven. But, die, but look for that. Look for the rapture of the church and be prepared. And so the day, and in a worldly sense, in a spiritual sense, is this, these last days are characterized how? The Bible says by a falling away from truth. They're characterized by that. Keep that in mind. They're characterized by that. There's always been falling away from truth. There's always been deception. But these last days are characterized by that because it's uh, prominent. It's frequent. It's a characteristic of the age. A falling away from the truth. Uh, a spirit of deception. A rise of the spirit of Antichrist. A compromise. I'm talking about morally and spiritually and biblically compromise. Men not of enduring sound doctrine. This is what the Bible tells us. Okay, the, the days, time will come, Paul said. This is the last chapter he wrote before he was martyred for the Lord. When he says, when men will not endure sound doctrine. But they'll heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. And they will turn their ears from the truth. And they'll be turned unto fables. This characterizes the characteristics of this day and age. Two things are going to be happening kind of parallel. At the same time, one is all the things we described. Uh, evil men, the Bible says, and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Worse and worse. You see, as a progression, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the deceptions going on, the falling away, the false Christ, the false doctrines, the fa another spirit besides the Holy Spirit being being believed to be the Holy Spirit. Another Gospel besides the Gospel. Another Christ besides, or Christ plural, besides the Christ of the Scriptures. All of that is increasing. So that's taken place at one time. Y'all, the whole world is being set up for something. And Eric talked about it in Sunday school. Uh, one of the things we're saved from is confusion. Spiritual confusion. We don't see everything absolutely perfectly, but we have the Holy Ghost who does see everything perfectly. And if we will stay close to the Lord and absolutely immersed in the Word of God, we're going to see more and more clearly spiritually what's taking place. And so this, this day, the whole world is being set up for something. They may think it's, it's coming to some glorious utopia. And it's being set up to come under the rule of Antichrist. There will be a one world religion. There, there will be a one world government. People want that nowadays. A lot of people want that. Oh, it would stop all the wars and the fighting. And 
and we'll all be one religion and you know uh, it's all going to be headed by antichrist though antichrist which means opposed to christ directly opposed to him 180 degrees opposition of him and it also means we've talked about it in place of christ he will set himself as god in the temple to be worshiped as god he will have a false prophet and he will have uh, this unholy trinity, this, the, the dragon and the beast and the, and the false prophet, which will come to prominence in the tribulation period. But the world is being set up for that now. You understand that? The world is being set up for this now. All this political correctness, all this inclusion. They say diversity, but it's really not diversity. It's a uniformity. You better conform to what they say. There's nothing diverse about it. You can't be diverse from what they say and tell you how you how to think and how you to view things. The whole world's being set up for that. So while that is going on, and I said two things kind of run in parallel. That is definitely going on. There's something else that's definitely going on. Jesus get, is getting ready to rapture His church. And the more this intensifies and the wickedness and the deception and the one world order and so forth, that means we're getting closer and closer to the time when our Lord and Savior is going to come in the clouds and going to rapture and call His body away. That's the time we're living in. And we're getting closer to that time. Both are converging at the same time. Alright? And we, I'll just give a, a couple of Scriptures. The Bible says that, that, uh, that we at some time in the past walked according to the Spirit of the God of this world. And the God of this world is bringing, bringing things to a, a, a place. He thinks He's going to reign and rule, and He will for the time that God allows Him to. We're going to be raptured out of here. But Jesus said this, and when He said, and when we, you see these things begin to come to pass. Now this is part of the Olivet Discourse in Luke 21 and Matthew 24, if you ever want to study that where he's directly speaking about when they ask, what are the signs of your coming and, and your return and what, when's all this going to happen? When you begin to see these things come to pass, then look up. So he's telling us something different. You look up. The world's looking to, oh, there's finally going to be peace on the earth. We'll have a world ruler who'll bring such peace and a one world currency and a one world religion and a one world economy. This is not make-believe. We're seeing it in, right before our eyes, okay? And, and Jesus said, when you see these things come to pass, look up. Why? Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth not. When you therefore uh, pray, when you therefore, it said, watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all of these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So we have that order. Okay? That admonition for the Lord. When you see all this stuff coming to pass, the one world stuff, the rise of the Spirit of Antichrist, you look up. Your redemption draws nigh. And you watch and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all of it. We're worthy by the blood of Jesus. We're worthy by the righteousness of another, Christ righteousness that has robed us. We only receive it one way, by true faith in the living God. You must be born again, Jesus told Nicodemus. You must be. 
But having been born again, we're worthy. But we also, the Bible says, we don't want to be ashamed that it's coming. That has to do more with my personal conduct, my personal walk with the Lord. Having been born by the Spirit of God and washed in His blood and robed in His righteousness, all by His grace, having had that take place in my life, in your life, there's the admonition to not be ashamed when He comes. Because I can be a Christian and be living in a way that I shouldn't and be ashamed when He raptures me. I'll still go in the rapture. Hallelujah. My ticket to heaven is my faith in Jesus and His blood that's washed me. And if that's real, then I'm really going to be raptured. Okay? But I know I don't want to stand before the... We sing how beautiful the hands that serve. I don't want to be ashamed before Him. I don't want that to be some distant thing and I keep not thinking about it. I want to think about it. I want to think about the day I'm going to stand before the Lord. Because I can do something about it now. Once I'm raptured, I can't. You understand what I'm saying? If my life's not right with the Lord fully, then there's time to do something about it now. Now's the time to ask God to help you. Lord, help me. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in my life spiritually. A lot of Christ-likeness that needs to be produced in my life. And I'm far from it. Help me. He'll gladly help. He's a very present help in trouble. But the Bible tells us we don't want to be ashamed at His coming. And so the Lord, these two things are happening at the same time. Now this, Paul says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the, uh, the end days or latter times, men sh- some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So that's going on. And at the same time, the Lord's preparing us and wanting us to be holy and separated unto Him. All the more as we see the day approaching, the Bible said. He's going to rapture His church. And so, y'all, to the man or woman who knows His Bible, knows the Lord, and knows the Scriptures, this warning is evident. It's evident to us that we're living in those times. Like I said, we have the discernment of the Holy Spirit. We can look around and see, hey, we're, you know, this is the age in which we're living if an explorer back in the 1600s or whatever was taken to the seas and coming from Spain or Portugal or somewhere, coming west, you know, when they started seeing uh, palm trees or they started seeing seaweed and stuff floating out or leaves and branches from trees or something floating out in the water, they knew they were getting close to land, right? There's something there that's, that's putting this tree leaves out in the water. And when we see all these things coming to pass in our time, we know the times in which we live. It's ridiculous because so much of the church is caught up in all kinds of other crazy stuff. They're not looking at this. They don't know the times in which they live, in which we live. Some may be true Christians, some maybe not. They don't understand the, the times in which we live. The Bible calls these perilous times, and we've talked about that. Perilous means dangerous. It means fearsome. We're living in that. You better be strong in Jesus. I pray that we're built up and strengthened all of us and we build up each other in this faith because we're living in fierce times spiritually. That's what that word perilous means. It also means reducing one's strength. The fierceness or the perilousness of it is, to me, I see it as the times are working to reduce your strength. It's working. Now the Lord's working to strengthen us. And everything else around us is working to sap your strength, 
to reduce it. So just understand the times in which we live. But God doesn't only want us to know the times that we live in spiritually. He wants us to know what we are to do, who and what we are to be. That's very clear as well. It's not confusing. I think I should do this. I think I should do that. Well, what does God's Word say? What should I do and what should I be in this hour? I'm just going to read some Scriptures. I'll give you where they're coming from. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11, 13, and 14. I'm going to read these. 2 Peter 3, 11, 13, and 14. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. He's talking about the real end of the a new heaven, new earth kind of thing. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in Him in peace without spot and blameless. Now that tells us a lot right there. And it's all directly in relation to the end of the age. Now we won't be part of that on the earth when, when some of these things are happening. We'll be raptured and then the tribulation will start and so forth. We'll come back with the Lord of the second coming for the millennial reign. But still, in light of all this that's coming, is basically what he's saying. What manner of persons ought you to be? This is why the Lord sees fit to give us the admonition that we opened with from Hebrews 10. So we're going to go back there. Hebrews 10, if you're still there, verses 24 and 25, where he says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Whoever wrote this, I believe it was Paul, included himself in this. Not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as the manner of some is. We'll just stop there for now. That's our main text. But we have this admonition in light of the age in which we're living. He says, as all the more as you see the day approaching, it's in light of all that's coming to pass on the earth. It's in light of God's eternal plan and what's absolutely going to unfold. There's nothing going to hinder God's plan from unfolding. Right on schedule. Okay? To the fullest. It won't be 50% complete. It'll be complete. It'll be complete on time. You know, politicians boast about we got this done and we finished on schedule or whatever. God's going to finish on schedule His plan. And it's going to come to pass. But in light of the rapture and so forth, this is what we're to do and to be. God's people will not be found, for example, without spot and blameless. That's what Peter says. At his coming, we won't be found without spot and blameless. We won't be found in all holy, com- holy conversation and godliness if we forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now realize that. Now, if we lived in a country where there was no body of Christ, there was no local believers to gather with, and it was just me or just you, and you're in some country and you don't know another Christian on the planet, God would take care of you, and you would be okay. And you would grow and you would mature and you'd be raptured and you'd be what you're supposed to be. But God has given, the Bible says He gave gifts to men, the fivefold ministry, right? The pastors and evangelists and teachers and so forth. And He gave these for the edifying of the body. So I'm not going to be fully what I should be in Christ 
if I forsake the assembling of myself together. Am I still saved? Yes. If you were saved in the first place, you're still saved now. But as if I forsake the assembling of myself together, I'm not going to be what I should be in Christ. Because I have a choice in that. That's not just me. There's no other believers around, Lord. I wish they were. I want to gather with some believers. That's I'm saying. I'm, I'm forsaking it. Uh, for, for whatever the reason. And we'll talk about more of this. But you're not going to, you and I won't be found in all, all holy conversation and godliness if we're forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And the tendency of many in the church in these last days is going to be what? I believe the tendency is going to be, and we're seeing it, and we're going to see it more, to slack off. To back off. Or instead of, instead of fervently seeking God, they're slacking off. Backing off. Putting their car in neutral a little bit. Getting involved in other things a little bit. Still look in my rear view mirror and the Bible's still there and God's still there and the cross and all that. But the tendency is going to be to slack off. Not just slack off from church going but to slack off from true biblical fellowship. And in this message today, I want to try to explain the difference between just Christians getting together and then true biblical fellowship. Because there's a difference. And what, what's being admonished in Hebrews is true biblical fellowship. Okay? There is going to be a tendency within churchgoers in the last days to forsake or to back off of true biblical fellowship true study of the Scriptures, a true meditating on, on the Lord and the things of God, uh, backing off from uh, true godly counsel, like real counsel me from the Word of God. There will be a backing off and a slacking off of that. There will be uh, men and women in the church. The Bible says that there will be increasingly more lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Increasingly more. Okay? You say, well, there's always been. Yes, it all has always been. But it's it's ever increasing. Alright? Lovers of their own selves, Paul says in, in 2 Timothy. And I'll read one more. Ever learning, and I believe this is speaking in the church, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Can you imagine? It's always learning some new little spiritual, almost like trivia. Learning some little spiritual fad. Some little this. Christian yoga or, or this or that or the other. Ever learning and never able, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I need to be occupied with the knowledge of the truth. I need to be occupied with the truth who is the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be learning spiritual things. I'm talking about within the church. They will be learning uh, helps, self-helps techniques. They'll be having talks. They'll be reading books and pamphlets. They'll be uh, hearing about new ideas coming through the church and we need to embrace it. They'll be told we need to go back to the ancient mystic, ancient church fathers, you know, the desert fathers. I don't know if y'all are even familiar with all this stuff. They'll be mystics. They'll be postmodern. They'll be everything else. Ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Philip, have I been so long with you and yet have you not known me? If you've seen the, me, you've seen the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You know what? My search is over. Now I want to know Him more. I want to press in deeper. My search is over. 
I've come to the knowledge of the truth. Now I want to grow in the knowledge of the truth. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the tendency in the last days for churchgoers, again, when I talk about Christendom, okay, that's how we're going to term it. It's what's called Christianity. It's a big blanket. Within that big blanket, there are people that truly know the Lord and are following Him. There are some that don't even know the Lord, but they think they do. And they're walking side by side with some of these others. You understand what I'm talking about. And there are real Christians that have strayed. And they're in under this canopy. They really are born again, but they're following after something they ought not to in this day and age. But the, the, the increase of, of the forsaking is going to be of the truth. True biblical fellowship. It's not that men... And, and churches or women and young people in churches in our day won't be busy. People can be very busy and still forsake the assembling of themselves together for the purpose that God has. Does that make sense? People can be plugged into activities. I've been there before. It's not of the Lord to be busy 24-7, plugged into some latest, greatest church thing that's going on and and yet not you can do all that and not be fellowshipping with the body, true fellowship with the body, where we're growing in grace and, and studying the Word together. We need to guard against that and be careful. People are going to be busy. People are going to be active. But they're, but they're going to be forsaking the gathering together of the saints of God to worship the Lord. That's going to be missing. True worship of the Lord. Where we worship Him in spirit and truth where we come to seek the face of our Redeemer, there will be a forsaking of, in these last days, right doctrine. There will be a forsaking of a, a true hunger for righteousness. Right? Blessed are they that hunger for righteousness. There will be a forsaking of that. There will be a forsaking of, uh, like I said, true biblical counsel and, and a true uh, spirit-led holy walk with God thinking that that's not necessary or pertinent to us anymore. There also be a, a coldness in the hearts of men within the church. A lack of love. A lack of concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ. A detachment from our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I picture the emergent church. Have you all heard of the emergent church? It's really not even new anymore. But the emergent church, some of the things that they... They would, they would fall under this blanket of what I'm saying of Christendom. They're not Islam, okay, or something like that. But the emergent church or postmodern church is not Christian at all. From the root all the way through, it's not Christian. And they want to throw off everything that would be anything to do with tradition, anything that would spell out true biblical truth. In other words, if I came and said, but God's Word says such and such, and they say, oh, well, there's, who really knows truth? There's so many interpretations. Are you the Bible police? You know everything. That's your interpretation of it and so forth. So they mock and they ridicule and they abandon and forsake true biblical worship, true biblical teaching and counsel and doctrine. Anything that would be traditional. Wearing a coat and tie. They would laugh at this. Okay? I don't know what your feelings are on coat and tie. I do it because... Because it's it's a tradition of it's a tradition. It's like keeps a reverence 
to me. I don't wear this when I cut the grass. I wear it when I come to church. And it keeps me in a mindset to, to shower, get cleaned up, brush my teeth, you know, and come, get dressed and come to church. I'm going to worship the Lord. I do it for that. I don't think this impresses God, but it helps keep a reverence to me and a respect. And so the emergent church would ridicule all that. All the, you know, pews or people sitting in a formal service. They want to just show up like they bumped into each other at the same time and someone spontaneously started playing a guitar and singing. Oh, and we found ourselves having this encounter with the Lord. Baloney. It's very organized. Believe me, they organize their disorder very specifically. Dim the lights, light some candles, put some lounge chairs and some sofas around, sit around in a coffee bar. Maybe you can drink a beer because some of them do that as well. And just talk about spiritual encounters and how you feel. And they have a facilitator that facilitates them through all this who knows very well what he's doing and orchestrates the whole thing to be like it's all spontaneous worship. But it wasn't. It was planned and it was ungodly. Okay? And so... The forsaking of, it's not that people won't gather together, but when it says forsaking of the assembling of ourselves together, he's talking about for the purpose of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, studying His Word. Not just Christians bumping into each other and hanging out. And we see a lot more of that in our day. And y'all, what's going to happen? Well, not only do you see the emergent church attitude, okay? But can I tell you what I think would be more uh, something that we need to heed and watch against. I'm talking about us right here. We need to watch against being too busy. Now, our whole thought is not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. All right? As the manner of some is. Too busy. Too busy in life. Too busy at work. Too bu- busy in good, clean fun. Too busy in family activities. Too busy in recreation and other things and pursuits that take us away from the assembling of ourselves together. I don't know if y'all have realized that I think you have or you wouldn't be here, but this church is not a boasting at all. But there is a characteristic, I guess, of Cornerstone Church. And one of the characteristics of it is great joy and, 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 and things like this, but we're serious about seeking God. We'll come back tonight and we'll pray and we'll seek the Lord. And Wednesday night, we're not going to have some little fluff kind of thing. We're going to come back and study His Word again. Well, this Wednesday, we'll be praying and fasting. But you understand my point. In Sunday school, we study the Bible. We study the Word of God or topic like prayer or something like that. We're, we're coming together and we have great fellowship as well. But we're coming together to grow in Jesus. We're coming together to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. This is what... And if we're not doing that, I'm going fishing on Sundays and Wednesdays because I love to fish. Peter and I love to fish. I'm going to go do that. If I'm not coming here for something true and real and genuine and is biblical and is what I'm supposed to be doing as a believer, then I don't want all the activities and all that stuff. i got more fun things to do. You know what I'm saying? But this is life. This gathering together for the purpose of worshiping the Lord. And we get too busy. And y'all, most, let me tell you the truth, most evangelical churches in our day, not just the, the mainline denominational, most evangelical churches in our day have stopped having Sunday night services. Do y'all know that? 
We go on vacation, uh, you know, if we're going to the beach or whatever, and we might look for a church to go to. You can't find a church that has a church on Sunday night. I know that there's some out there. I'm telling you, most have canceled that. There's no biblical reason for it. They say, well, the Bible doesn't tell us we have to meet twice on Sunday. No, it doesn't. But if that was a tradition and we came up in that, and now we're abandoning that, we're going the wrong direction. That's how I look at it. If I was doing it and I stopped doing it, then I'm falling right to the trap of forsaking the assembling of myself together. I can excuse it and rationalize it and everything else. I remember talking to a pastor 15 years ago at the church of a, a Pentecostal-type church. Big church right here in Baton Rouge. And Dee and I knew him and we, we sang at his church before. And I asked him, well, he asked me one day, goes to the same health club I go to, and he said, uh, Randy, do y'all have church on, on uh, Sunday night? I said, yeah, we, yeah, we do. He goes, we don't. Oh, I said, really? He says, well, nobody would come anymore. So we stopped having it. And besides, it's a good time for people to spend with their families. Well, you know what? <laughs> a couple of that, I didn't get into it with him, but, but I see that. And they rationalize it. I don't care if nobody would come. If Dee and I came, we're going to come. Because he says we're two or three are gathered together. If y'all all quit coming to prayer, this church, and I know you're not, and y'all hold me accountable as well, this church is going to have a prayer meeting on Sunday night. We're going to have, we're not going to abandon it or forsake it. A lot of churches don't have Wednesday nights. You know what they do on Wednesday night? They have a supper club or they have uh, the youth meets here and maybe a little group does a Bible study over here. But they're not gathering together to worship the Lord. Am I being critical? No. I'm telling you we're living in this age. Is, and that's what we're talking about. Are they busy? Are these other churches busy? Probably very busy. They might have something Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday that's going on, some activity. But that's not... Biblical fellowship in the sense that the Bible is talking about. Have y'all noticed we don't do a lot of, and this is not right or wrong, just where we are as a church right now. We don't do a whole lot of extra outside stuff. Not a whole lot. We don't plan something. We have our youth things Friday nights and college career meet, but we're not we're not doing something Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're not just doing something over and over and over again. And because I firmly believe when, when we'll fill up where we are, when we'll fill up Sunday school and, and Sunday morning and Sunday night prayer and Wednesday nights, and we'll fill that up by, by our attendance and by our making the most of those, we're going to find that those other things we don't need as much. Some people almost put those other activities like a Band-Aid on because they're not really being fed are ministered to consistently in church. So they have to keep people happy and excited and, and fun and busy doing other things because they're not being ministered to where they need to be ministered to. It's like eating dessert all the time when you haven't had a good, solid, healthy meal. Oh, give me some more dessert. But they're starving to death. We need to watch that. And so... I'm not against the other things, and as God leads us to, we will. I am against being busy just for the sake of being busy. I don't think that's of the Lord. I think it's a curse to busy ourselves just to be busy. And look how busy we are. We do the prisons on this night. We do this on this night. And look how busy we are. we got something every night of the week. 
Well, I need to serve God every day and night of the week, but I don't have to be in an activity every day and night of the week. But when we have church, we need to be at church. I guess that's what I'm saying. When we have prayer, we need to be at prayer. We need to be bursting at the seams uh, because we're being fed and we're coming and we're longing to be with the body over and over. It's not too much. One full day Sunday and one night. It's not too much for us to, to gather together. So y'all, we have to, to watch it. Here's what I want to say. I want to mention this as well, just to show where we're, we're coming. I've talked about churches canceling Sunday night services. Most do not have that. Wednesday night services. Most don't have a full Wednesday night service. Okay? And I'll tell you what else I've noticed in, in schools. Used to be just in public schools. Now it's even in Christian schools. Because my boys went to Christian school and I understand it all. A Christian school would have never had an activity on a Wednesday night in times past. In very recent times past. They would not have had that. They wouldn't have a ball practice and they wouldn't have had a, a ball game. But guess what? We're going downhill, aren't we? I'm going to say what you want. We're going downhill. Public schools now do it. The Christian schools do it as well. The Christian evangelical schools that all want the kids all to have this wonderful relationship with Jesus have ball practices on Wednesday and on Sundays. And on Wednesday night, have ball games, baseball games, whatever it may be. And my pointing my finger saying shame on them, I'm saying it's a sign of the times. And I'm going to fight against it. I'm going to fight against it in myself. I'm not holding up a banner, a picket sign, going up in front of these schools. If my kids went there, I would say something. I'll tell you that. I remember saying something uh, in the school we were at before. In a big-time baseball program, okay? And I actually asked him, Coach, because here's the schedule. Here's the schedule of summer ball. Here's it, you know, Wednesday this, every Wednesday of all game. Uh, they weren't practicing in church time, but they would put games there. Sunday afternoons or whatever. They can do it because they don't go to church on Sunday night. They can do it on Wednesday night because they don't go to church on Wednesday night. But I do. And they're trying to make me make a choice between my kids in ball or me going to church and bringing my kids to church with me as a family. And the world is the world. It's going to be the world. I don't expect to change it. But I have to take a stand at some point, don't I? And I remember going to the coach and I said, Coach, I'm just asking you. I'm just a parent, okay? And it's a big-time baseball program. I don't want to offend the coach, whatever. I thought about all those things too. But I still said, Coach, I'm asking you, can you please not schedule these Wednesday night games? Can you put them on some other night? Can you talk to the other teams and see if they'll be okay? Doing them? He said, yeah, I'll do that. I mean, that was a blessing. And the Lord worked it out. You know, it might not have worked out. Then we'd have had to make our choice. You understand what I'm saying? But at least I'm going to... I want to. There's some point you'll bend and bend. At some point you got to draw the line. And I think when it comes to the forsaking of our assembling of ourselves together, then I have to draw a line. I can't draw it for you, and I can't take a stand for you. But I can preach a sermon, and I can let the Lord speak to all of us. Just I'm a human being, I'm a parent, and I know what that's like as well. And it's not easy, but you can make the choice as God leads you to. 
and, and according to His Word. But let me tell you this, in our own lives, because I want it to be personal and I'm going to be bringing this to a close. If, if you and I, I say when or if, you and I would see the drifting away. Drifting away in the sense of I'm, I'm not at church as much as I used to be. Not at Sunday school as much as I used to be. And so forth. We need to dig our heels in. I need to recognize it. I need to say, wait, something's not right here. i got the tail wagging the dog. You know what I'm talking about? Your schedule running your life instead of you running your schedule. The tail's wagging the dog. And I'm all out of control. You're going to find things in your life that get out of control when that happens. God's merciful. He'll be patient. He'll help you. He's kind. He's gentle. You know what I'm saying? He's not going to send you to hell. I'm telling you that you need to dig your heels in though right now. When you see it, when you recognize it, I notice we're drifting. We're drifting. Things are taking us away. I need to dig in. Please understand this is not aimed at any person in here. It's aimed at every person in here and at myself as well. If I find that tendency, I need to dig my heels in and I need to make a conscious choice to fight against it. Lord, the tail's wagging the dog. Lord, life has gotten so busy. I find myself uh, in other pursuits when I, when I should be assembling with the body. I know that there's going to be times we miss church. I'm not being dogmatic in that sense or legalistic. I'm telling you what the Bible says and all the more as we see the day approaching. Because the tendency as we see the day approaching is going to be to slack off and to back off. Okay? And we have to combat it. Y'all, wherever we're being tempted or wherever we're declining, so to speak, spiritually, that's where we need. That's where the battle is. You understand what I'm saying? If it is with my busyness and my schedule, parents or, or singles, whoever, if it, the busyness, busyness is where the battle is, that's where I need to dig, dig my heels in. That's where the battle is. That's where I need to fight. God, show me a way out. I don't even see it. I don't understand what to do. Maybe it'll be a period of time and then He brings you is able to bring you out or back. I'm not going to tell you the fix to it. I'm simply saying God has a fix to it. He has a fix to it. If I'm, I'm going to give an example. If, if things were tight financially, extremely tight financially, the tendency or the, the temptation would be to what? As a believer, I'm just not going to give right now. Things will get back in order. I can't give right now. Can I tell you something? That is when you better give. You better dig your heels in and you point your finger at the devil and say, devil, you're a liar. You're telling me not to give. And my own, my own rationale is telling me not to give. And we got it all rationalized out Well, we can't give right now. And the Bible's, the Lord's telling you, you better give. You think things are tight now? You withhold your giving and see what it's like. We better dig our heels in. Meet the temptation right there. Our church is going through a building program, I guess you should say. We've never had it after three something plus years. We're stepping out. We bought a building. There's going to be a lot of expenses with that. If I rationalized it in my mind, I would, I, would, I would think things are tight now and everything else. You know what? I need to sit down and write a big old check to Samaritan's Purse from this church. You understand my point? That's what we need to do because God's going to provide for us. I'm not going to be, I'm going to meet the temptation. And sometimes we feel that. Dee and I, 
things are really, really tight. You know, we'll look at each other and say, who can we give to right now? Anonymously. Let's give a couple of $200 to so-and-so. Do it. And find, the, find God faithful. You meet that temptation right where you're being tempted. Because you know what that is? That rationale is really a fear. That God's not going to take care of me. Whether it's finances, or I can't... Uh, what's, what's the coach to say? The teacher going to say? If, I, if I'm... You know, if we, if forsaken the assembling. If I start going to church all the time, the fear is I'll be too tired because my work schedule has got me so busy. Or I'll, uh, my kids won't do as well in school. Or my kids will miss out on some activity at school. And so we start rationalizing. But really, it's a fear. To me, I think it's a fear that it's not going to work out somehow. But God says it's going to work out. I got to do one thing. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together for the purpose of worship, as the manner of some is. And all the more as you see the day approaching. I'm not on a soapbox telling you, you got to come to church. I'm preaching the Word of God to you this morning. It's for our church, it's for all of us. It's for the church world today, whoever may watch this on our YouTube channel. Let me tell you this if. if I want you to help work on the building. And I want to work on the building. But if working on the building, if it's going to keep you from, on a Saturday, for example, is going to keep you from Sunday school on Sunday morning, then stay home on Saturday. If it's a point of fatigue, or a point that may, and I'm not ridiculing, if you can't get everything done, then I would say, I'd rather you stay home on Saturday and come to Sunday school. If, if having a youth group meeting on a Saturday night keeps me out of Sunday school and church on a Sunday, don't go to youth on Saturday night. Because this is the felt. That's lanyard. That's extra. This is where the body meets. Every joint supplying every joint. This is where we meet. And so, you understand my point about that. If something's keeping you away, I've gone a little long, but y'all, I do have, I want to make some points real quickly. Back to our admonition in this scripture, okay? Let us consider one another. So you know what that's telling me? Consider means to observe fully, to behold one another in the body of Christ. Not the worldlings out there. I love them. I pray for them. I witness to them. But I'm to consider you. Each one of you, from the youngest children to the oldest adult. And you're to consider me and each other. The Bible says, let us consider one another because we're a body and God made it that way. And it's not just me. It's not just me and my schedule. It's not just me and my finances and my plans and i got to get this new home built or whatever. It's not just me and my children. It's not just me and my happiness. It's not even just me and my walk because He placed me in a body. And I'm told to consider one another, to observe fully. I need to see what's happening in Liz's life, spiritually, and know where she is. And if she's here all the time, I figure that's 99% of the battle. She's doing well. You understand what I'm saying? We need to consider one another to provoke. That means incitement to good. There's a couple of definitions to that word. You could incite somebody to provoke them like a little brother pesters his older brother, right? But that's not what this means. To provoke in this context means incitement to good. 
That means to love and good works. We need to be involved in each other's lives spiritually. Amen? Be involved. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That word forsaking, this is an interesting word. It means to leave behind. To leave behind in some place. Like I left it back there somewhere. What did you leave behind? The assembling of myself with the other believers. I got it all rationalized in my mind why I did it. School, sports, work, churches full of hypocrites, all the different things you can think of. But the Bible says not forsaking the, to leave behind in some place or to desert the assembling. And I want to give, give a lot of de- definitions. But the assembling of ourselves together, you know, I'm bringing this to a close. The assembling of ourselves means a complete collection. Isn't that interesting? The assembling of ourselves together means a complete collection. A complete collection. And it means specifically in the definition, y'all, a Christian meeting for worship. And, I, and I'm telling you why I'm saying that because we're, we're living in a day and age where there'd be a lot of people that say, I have plenty of Christian fellowship. You know, all my friends are Christian. We barbecue Christians. We barbecue together. We go to movies together. We go to beach together. And that's not Christian fellow assembling. It means assembling together to worship. Y'all know there are people that they won't come to a prayer meeting. There are people in churches. I'm not saying this church. We're blessed. Because the people that come here on Sunday mornings come back on Sunday nights. It blesses my heart. But I know it touch, it's, it's pleasing to God. And that means, it means the church is healthy. Okay? If everybody was here this morning, this morning and tonight we had three people, we'd still have it. But it would show there's a problem in the church. Okay? But there are people that in, in churches, they don't go to a prayer meeting. You never see them for Sunday school. You'll never see them uh, for a time of prayer and fasting. But guess what? They won't miss one gender reveal party in their church. They won't miss a wedding. For anything in the world. They drop four hours out of town if a friend of theirs in churches get married. They won't miss a, a baby shower, a wedding shower. You know what I'm talking about? And think that they're okay because everybody there is pretty much a Christian. They're hanging out with Christian people. That's not what this scripture is talking about. Assembling together for the purpose of worshiping Jehovah. The Lord Jesus Christ. That is the assembling that we need to watch and to guard against. The other, I love too. I love when we barbecue. I love when we have dinner on the ground. All that's wonderful. But you know we don't have to have that. I think we should have it. But if somebody says we have to have it, then I would think there's a problem. We have to have this. We have to pray together. And seek the Lord together. And y'all, all that we just mentioned, the provoking one another, exhorting one another, it means the comfort to pray for. All is in the light, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen? And I'm closing with this. That you can come on up. If I may ask you the question, do you see the day approaching? You personally. Do you see the day approaching biblically? All the end times things. Do you see it approaching? Like it's coming down the road. Not here yet, but do you see it approaching? Because if you do, and it is, by the way, if you and I see the day approaching, then we need to dig our heels in and make a 
purpose as for me and my house, like Joshua, to serve the Lord is from I'm not going to forsake the assembling of myself together. Because in all the more as I see the day approaching. Why? Why do you think that is? Again, I don't think it's anything new. I just think it's increased. Increased because this is where we're strengthened. The body of Christ is where God has chosen to nourish his people, to strengthen his people, to speak to his people, to feed his people. This is how we're going to be able to stand in the evil day. You know, we're doing our study on the armor of God, having done all to stand, that you may be able to stand the wiles of the devil, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. This right here in Sunday school and our prayer meetings and Wednesday nights, because this is where God has ordained for us to meet. If he told us Tuesday instead of Wednesday, we would do that. This is how he has ordained for us to be. And if this is how he's ordained for Cornerstone Church to be and when we're to meet and the services we're to have, this is where he has ordained to feed us and strengthen us and to build us up. He has chosen for this. For where, we're, where, to be, where we are to be encouraged and built up. It's not simply a duty. It is our life. It is where we're strengthened. I'm closing with this. When Peter and John, had, the Lord had used them to heal the lame man at the temple. And, and then they, they preached the gospel. God used it as a platform. 5,000 people got saved. And one time, the, the, they were brought before the religious council and threatened and told not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. And I just want to read this one part. And being let go, when the council turned them loose, after they threatened them, being let go, they went to their own company. And I just wanted to stop with that. So they were living in a time of persecution. They were living in these last days. We're in the latter part of the last days, but they're in this same time. And... You know, like on a computer or different things, you have a default switch where if you leave it unattended, it'll go to this automatically. Their default switch, so to speak, was the company of believers, was the body of Christ. Being let go, they went to their own company. And I'm simply saying, all the more as we see the day approaching. Do I want to have barbecues and fellowships and dinner on the ground? And flag football, if I'm still able to run out there to do it? Yes. Okay? But this is what we need. This is what we need. You need to set your default switch to being with the people of God when the people of God are gathered together to worship the Lord. We need to be here. All of us, I need to be here as much as you do. No more, no less. This is where we're strengthened. This is where we're built up. And all the more as we see the day approaching. Y'all stand with me. You know, put it out there. The Lord the Lord will do with it what He desires to do with His Word. And I would simply say, let Him do what He desires to do in your heart and your life. Amen. Take, take just a moment and pray as God would lead you to this morning. Father, we come.